there, I'm Brian Davis. And I'm Jake Mayan. And this is The Heart of the Matter, Welcome, a series in which we share conversations with interesting people and dive into the core issues and motivations behind their work, their lives, or their worldview. Our guest today is Scott McClure, the co-founder of Ecstatic Hearts Tantra, a relationship and sexuality coach and a serial entrepreneur. Welcome, Scotty. Thank you, guys. Hi, Brian. Hey, Jake. Hey, hey, Scott. Thanks for joining us during this coronavirus epidemic. You know, we can do all this from home, so this is fantastic. Yep. Wish could be under different circumstances, but I think now more than ever, the it's important to remain positive and spread the less messages of health and love. That's that's uh, right now. Excellent. Great. Um, so uh, I don't think I've ever introduced anybody who has uh, the uh, I guess Tantra in their business name or sexuality coach. Um, so are those are those the things? Is are those the ways you describe yourselves? And what does that mean to you? Sure, I would say that I am basically a champion of love, and you know the way I do that is a myriad and sorted ways. But I, I think that for but to answer your question, yes, I consider myself a tantrika or a tantrist. Um, and I help people with their love lives. And I think that by people getting good at sexual energy, that actually is the most powerful way of transmuting love and actually um, creating results in the world. It's kind of really untapped resource, if you will. And we can get more into that. But it's uh, but basically, I'm I think that love is the answer for why we're here. And so I do everything I can to spread it in whatever way I can. <laughs> wow. Beautiful. That's a beautiful message. I'm definitely behind that. Oh. Um, so how did, I guess, lots of questions here, but uh, maybe, maybe you can start with, uh, where are you from originally? I'm originally from Tyler, Texas. Tyler, yeah. Texas. All right. Okay. Very and cool. My wife grew up in uh, Terrell, Texas. Oh, yeah. My dad uh, used to teach at a psychiatric ward there, not teach, he was a psychiatrist. Oh. All right. Great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, could you tell us a little bit like what was your childhood like? What was your upbringing like? Sure. You know, I let's see. My mom was uh, a Christian, and she kind of bopped around at different churches. I guess Lutheran was probably the most common. My dad was uh, pretty much an atheist or agnostic. He kind of went back and forth. Um, I had a pretty stable background. Brother, sister, grew up in a small town of Tyler. Um, you know, pretty classic values, I'd say, of American values and whatnot. It was fairly conservative kid. I kind of grew up, you know, getting good grades and doing what I was supposed to and going out in the world and getting a good job and doing all the things that uh, society says you should do to be successful. And uh, that's how I started. Ah, great. <laughs> I went a little different. <laughs> yes. So when did it, when did it go different? What was the, yeah. uh, when did you go into left field a little bit? Yeah, oh, what was the path? The, the life that I'm living now, I never would have considered as a possibility as my younger self. And, um, you know, I, when I was, I got good grades in school, and I was actually managing Frisky's cat food um, in my 20s uh, for the United States when I basically was a workaholic, and I was working 80 to 100 hours a week, and I was doing all the things I was supposed to be to be successful, but I didn't really have any meaningful relationships. It was mainly surfacey stuff. I wasn't really following my passions. I was I was living a life that everyone said I should live, and I was, was quietly miserable. I didn't understand why I wasn't happier, and I kept getting sick, actually. I, my um, 
uh, immune system. I kept pushing it like, and I was just like, mind over matter, mind over matter. So I wasn't eating right. I wasn't exercising. I didn't have any time to do really much more than work. And so I just got sicker and sicker. And around this time also, I, I was very, I wasn't very experienced in love or, or, or romance or dating and so forth. And, uh, I had like, uh, this, I think it was the third girl I ever dated. I, uh, met and at a Renaissance festival and we had this, um, romantic uh kind of getting to know each other kind of it's a long story but it was a pretty dramatic tale and then when we finally um were having sexual intercourse which blew me away i didn't expect to be there so quick i was so excited she was so hot that after three strokes i was done and she was like are you fucking kidding me and she was like pissed and she was like you know all this shame and like how terrible i was as a lover and as a man and all this stuff and those two things combined said, man, I got to, I got to shift. So like I found this group, uh, I was just trying to be a better lover. And, uh, I found a group called Ipsilu Contra in California. I was working in LA at the time. And I also was, um, looking for ways to improve my health. And this was one of the main things I found to kind of rebuild my immune system. I, I developed chronic fatigue syndrome around this time too. And I basically one day collapsed and I couldn't get out of bed for more than for about two hours a day for about six months. So this was also a way for me to kind of slowly rebuild my immune system. Well, my, my ego kind of died. It was like what I thought I should be doing had to die. So the new me that actually came from my, um, my, my passion awoke, you know. So then I started to take care of myself, eating, exercising, building really meaningful relationships. I, I started, uh, I kind of went a little bit on the other side. Like I kind of came a hippie and traveled around the world for a while and stopped working because I kind of threw out. Uh, work and money with health that doesn't isn't necessary i've since um redirected that so i don't think you have to be a money monk anymore but basically i then um kept doing tantra but it wasn't until i met my wife about 12 years after that that it really started the magic of of it's really start taking off i basically uh was able to create this energetic connection with her and all these i i like these tools and stuff that i use which were cool i wasn't really practicing but then with her it was fun to practice you know it's like uh, you know, and, and then over time it got better and better and better. And then it was, it was like, oh my God, how can this be so amazing? And then like a month later, it's like, holy crap, it gets better. And then a month later, it's like, oh my God, no one told us this is possible. And it kept getting better and better, our whole love life and um, sex and love and energy and all that for month after month, about 10 years. And in the last couple of years or a year and a half, it's really started becoming more spiritual and more, uh, more amazing in ways I can I hesitate to explain because I'll just seem like a crazy man. <laughs> but well, just... <laughs> I, uh, to, to probe you there, I, I'm, I'm curious. So when you first encountered uh, Tantra, the concept of Tantra, uh, how old were you and what year was it? Uh, I was 26 and um, uh, let's see, I have to do some math. I just, I'm turning 50 this year. So whatever 24 years ago was, um, so... Yeah, in like the late late nineties, mid nineties, late nineties. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. what was like prior to that? Like, I I'm trying to kind of uh, um, kind of feel what it was like. I mean, this is obviously not the very very first wave of exploration of like Indian belief systems or of Asian belief systems. Um, but what was it like to be interested in that sort of thing, uh, this sort of alternative lifestyle, or practicing that back in the nineties? Well, you know, no one knew about Tantra um, that I knew of, and it was completely outside of my wheelhouse. I mean, they were, you know, they're talking about chakras and stuff. And I'm saying, what the heck are those? Those are like 
I never learned that biology and people were like doing this wiggling thing from energy moving through them. I really thought they were just conning me at first. I thought, oh, come on, this is, I've never heard about this. This is all just baloney who, you know, I, I was very skeptical. And, um, but there was something about it where maybe it was like I hugged a guy and it didn't feel weird or there was a, there was a level of, of connection there that I didn't get anywhere else. And it was the first place I could ask, ask men, like, how do I become a better lover? Like just, you know, even that simple question, um, even back then was really hard to find. And, uh, you know, guys just didn't talk about it. And like most people, even today, they still use porn as education, which is terrible <laughs> for yeah. on how to be connected romantic lovers. And, um, at least most of the stuff out there. And the, uh, yeah, so it was, it was, it was with some skepticism and caution that I moved forward, but it was teaching me some cool skills. And like one of the things that I learned early on, which uh, most tantricas know is how to separate ejaculation from orgasm. So once you're, those are two different things and most guys think they're the same, but when you can separate those two, you can start having multiple orgasms and even go into a constant orgasmic state that energizes you. And so the more you make love, the more energized you get. And like now we can make love for 12 hours straight. And at dawn, we're like, woohoo, much more energized and excited than we were uh, when we started, you know, before dark. And the, the problem is, is that uh, most people, when they make love, they immediately, you know, shoot out their, their stuff and they get tired and they, all their energy's depleted and they want to go sleep. And, and so the, what happens when you have the energy build and build and build for hours and hours, it actually clears out your chakras in it, which is your energy centers in your body, which uh, science has now proven exists. And it actually, uh, yeah, energizes you and clears old programming out. I can get into all that in a sec, but um, that's the gist of it. What was wow. your uh, relationship like before encountering Tantra? Uh, how would you describe your relationship with sexuality or with like, with, with women? Um, and you know, I mean, honestly, I mean, obviously we want to know sort of how that evolved, but I'm curious sort of like, did you consider yourself to be kind of like a normie at the time? Were you a more curious, were you a, a curious, more open, open guy than average? Um, I've never considered myself normal. Okay. And I was probably far more normal than I am now. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I was, let's see, I was a Great. virgin until I was 23. Um, I determined that I wanted to be in love before I had sex, um, not so much from religion, just from, I don't know, the, my values at the time. And, uh, and frankly, around 23, being a virgin wasn't cool anymore. And it was like, and I decided around that time that I need to go into training for my true love, that I needed to like learn how to become a better lover first. Because if I do find the woman in my dreams, I don't want to lose her because um, I suck at basic, you know, lovemaking skills. And, uh, and so, um, yeah, and actually I probably, the, the second, uh, woman I really dated, I kind of fell in love with, but she was crazy even for my standards. And <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I had, I think what most of us do, we go through dating and we evolve and we, you know, figure out what we want and grow through the process. I, I'm not sure if I answered your question. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I, I'm really, I'm really curious to know, like your kind of encounters from this as something that you viewed as like, uh, like a, a, a hobby or maybe a, a practice that was interesting to you, perhaps the community, towards it becoming a really big part of your identity. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, after Melly and I got together and we started really seeing and experiencing uh, the real value of Tantra, because even though you know, it had been 12 years since I'd taken it, I didn't really practice it. And like anything else, if you don't practice something, you don't really get good at it. And, and there's so much available that people have no clue about. 
um, with, with just a little bit of focus. And it's not hard. I mean, I'm, I'm basically a lazy person. I, I did travel for a while during my hippie phase of, and like I became a Buddhist for a while and I meditated for three days till blood came out of my head. I explored lots of spiritual practices. I did lots of different things, but um, they were all, none of them quite fit, but making love, I could get behind that and I could practice that over and over and over again. And it was uh, a way for me to, to us to really evolve. So it wasn't until about six years ago um, when our friends were like, what are you doing? And um, Melly and I, we don't necessarily teach this, but our, our love life is pretty wild. And we were at Flipside, which is like a local burning type of event. And so people just saw what we were doing because we were a little bit of an exhibitionist and it didn't look normal. You know, I, I was like convulsing and they were trying to get an ambulance. Is he having, you know, <laughs> is he having a seizure or something? I'm like, no, 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 it's, it's good. And they're like seeing me enjoy it. And they're like, hmm, well, can you teach us? And I was like, nah, it's been years since I learned this stuff. I don't know how to teach you guys. But they literally, our friends bugged us for like a year saying, you got to show us what's going on. So I said, okay, well, I can show a little bit more. There's a little bit more that I know you do. So let me share what little I can. And then I loved, I liked it. They liked it. And then I surreptitiously got a call from my old teacher, um, the author of Jewel Lotus, Bodhi Amanasha. And she wanted me to help them with their business and come on their board of directors. And I said, great, I need you to help me with Tantra. And so then I just kept learning a little bit more than my friends. And it was so much fun. And it was making such an impact. And we saw the difference it was making in people's lives. And we just kept doing more and more of it. And before you know it, that's all we're doing. And so we started teaching full-time about five years ago. And about four years ago, we stopped doing anything else. And all we do now is, is spread Tantra and improve people's love lives and, and show them all these amazing benefits you can get um, from tapping into your sexual energy, which people don't have a clue about yet. I'm changing. <laughs> That's yes. all. Yes. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's definitely an exciting journey. And um, I'd like to find out, like, so now when you run this as a business, um, how do you sort of uh, keep those two things separate? You know, you're, you're making a living from it, but you're also clearly improving people's lives as a coach. Uh, I'm sure that comes easy, but just so, you know, I, I don't know, people can understand that, like, you can have your passion, and if you figure out a way to monetize your passion, that's sort of life goal for you know fulfillment right you should be doing work that you're passionate about and making a living from it so if you could tap a bit into how you've made that work you know seamlessly or smoothly yeah it's 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 efficient in that they all bleed together with each other like melanie and i are both uh is my lover my partner uh, my business partner too uh we're both extroverts so we love to go out and meet new people and we love to help people and we love talking about sex and we love sharing our experiences, which are pretty amazing. And our friends do too. And so um, it's kind of natural for us. Like when I first like started learning how to do sales and whatnot, I really had resistance to it because it was like, and I didn't, I didn't want to like turn something I love into work, you know? Right. But, um, but what I found is that if I just focus on other people and so how can I truly improve their lives? And not always, Tantra isn't always the answer for everybody, but it's the answer a lot more than most people realize because it does so many amazing things for folks that I naturally just want to share the best tools I know of to make the biggest impact in their lives. And so it doesn't, there's no, so there's a, there's a ease with it. You know, like I, I enroll people, which my definition is to empower people to go after their dreams by, you know, inspiring them to take action. 
And it's like, I do that almost all the time, just naturally, because I want people to have amazing lives. And this has made such an impact on our lives that, um, that it, it's, I, I would job ripping people off if I don't share them about this, you know? And so as far as business, uh, you know, we're community oriented. We teach classes. I'm doing more stuff online, especially now. Um, I'm also working on a book and some other things. Um, you know, the, the biggest challenge actually is being a business partner with, with my wife because oh. it's, a, it's a different uh, dynamic, you know, being a husband, a lover, a partner, a business partner. And, you know, we, we don't, we get along pretty well, we, and we see eye to eye on most stuff, but um, every once in a while, that's a little bit, you know, challenging because we have different opinions about, you know, things and, uh, and different styles of working and whatnot. But considering, um, but I think we do a pretty good job, you know, we, we get along pretty well, and it's only, the beauty of it is, is that we're basically teaching other people how to improve their love life. So we get to have to, we get to have to love, we live our work, right? So it's like, in, in order for me, that's what really excelled my um, personal training is by teaching it. It's like, shoot, if I tell people they got to practice every day, I need to really practice every day too. And so, because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a believer in integrity and walking my talk. And so, um, since I'm in the business of always improving our relationship and modeling that, everything kind of feeds in together. So I don't really see much of a, a problem like doing it all. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm I'm curious if you ever had like a battle with, I mean, I think that a lot of people that um, experiment um, with different sexual lifestyles or different sexual choices um, are afraid of shame. And I'm curious um, whether you ever dealt with that, whether that was just never an issue for you or how you kind of overcame that to kind of live this as, uh, you know, as a persona and as a business. Well, keep in mind, uh, my very first inspiration into Tantra was shame. I felt the most, almost the most shame of my life when I, um, you know, finally had this amazing sexual experience and I failed spectacularly. And, and I was like, it, it was, it, it so that, that shame about being um, a, a terrible lover and a terrible, and like, that's what, and I didn't feel I was a man, right? Like, or whatever we connoted with that is that that's the inspiration I had to go into a realm that I never would have done otherwise, right? It was so outside my my wheelhouse. It was so outside my comfort zone. Um, I thought it was so strange and weird. All these woo-woo people. I never would have gone there unless I had the the initiative, the um, encouragement of this shameful experience. That said, most of what we are doing is helping people heal their shame around mm-hmm. sexuality because I think that's the biggest block and, and a problem for people to overcome in order to really be present with people, to feel loved and connection and, and all this energy that's moving through us. I mean, it, the, the problem with shame as well as fear and other emotional blocks and traumas that gets lodged into our system. And a lot of what we're doing with our energy is we're moving through and we're like clearing that out. And we're letting go of old stories and old programming. A lot of what we do too is like personal development type stuff that um, you might've heard of from Landmark or Lifespring or Tony Robbins or all these other guys. We incorporate that into what we do energetically and tantrically from like thousands of years ago too. And um, so we're letting go of old stories and old baggage that doesn't support us. Shame being probably one of the biggest uh, problems for people. I mean, like 16% of women, from one statistic I read, have trouble achieving orgasm. And I think that shame is probably the number one reason for that. And there's plenty of men that have issues too, but it's like, it's, it's endemic, you know? And, and if, if people can't enjoy the thing that I think creates the most love in people, I mean, that's, that's the thing about sex. It gets villainized and it's like, it's really 
the greatest expression of love. It's the most enjoyable thing there is on the planet. It's the thing that helps, I think, connect to spirituality and God. It's like it's the best thing ever. And people like think it's, you know, bad and wrong and shoved it down with shame. And I think it's a real travesty. So um, that's one of the big things I am as a champion of love is allowing people to fully accept and appreciate who they are and let go of things like that. It doesn't serve them anymore. Yeah. And would you think that sort of uh, structured religion has had a, a say in leading to the shame across, you know, multitudes of cultures across the world? Sure. Yeah, I mean, okay, and back in the barbaric days when we were all killing each other, oh, so I think religion, not barbaric, pagan. I like to say pagan. Pagan. Well, right. well, I'm saying back in the days when religions first started, you know, like when Christianity evolved, it was a pretty ruthless time, and there were people that were going around killing each other, so forth. So I think it, you know, the structure of the church was useful, um, and um, the message of tantra is that all of us have the ability to connect with the divine directly in part through our sexual energy. Like it really is a direct conduit to the divine. And that's a message that I think was both scary and it was, um, and it got in the way of control. Like, so most of the religions out there didn't want people to go directly to, to source with yeah. God. They wanted them to come through them. And so I think that, yes, that Tantra was actively persecuted and repressed along with women's empowerment too, by the way, uh, you know, to, so that, so they could control the masses and so forth. And, um, and I think now is a time when people are, are realizing that's no longer true or necessary and they can allow us all to tap in directly to uh, spirit. That's um, my, my personal experience, by the way. It's like I didn't start off being spiritual at all, but now I consider myself a spiritual leader because I've had so many actual experiences of the divine um, that now I can't help but be a believer. <laughs> There's wow. Out there. Great. Yeah. Um, I want to explore that further, but go ahead, Brian. Yeah. One question a little bit more on the topic of, uh, of shame, um, which was, I guess, not necessarily shame, but um, dealing with your family and friends as you began to transition into this lifestyle and potentially the judgments that you receive uh, from people that you had known for a long time. What was that process like? Have people been on board? Are there people that you've based relationships you've had to let go of? Um, you know, surprisingly, it hasn't been, um, it hasn't negatively impacted me much at all. Like, the when, it, at first, you know, it's a little strange, and people are like, you know, you're using your MBA to do what? You know, kind of thing. But it's, uh, but is the thing is, when I am true for my purpose, when I am committed and clear that this is my path, this is what I'm going to do, people's uh, objections or whatever kind of melt away. Like, when they see that I'm committed, then, then they just say, okay, well, I'm just going to sit back and let you do what you do. My dad, for instance, he said, you know, I don't really understand your lifestyle or what you're doing in the world, but I can see that it makes you happy. And as long as you're happy, then that's all I can care for. That's all I care about. And he actually came to one of my pujas that I did um, a couple months ago, which was kind of cool. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like, it's my goal to be as out there and as crazy as I can so that people know it's okay to, to stick their pinky toes in type of thing. But, you know, surprisingly, the more I kind of raise my vibration, this is going to sound kind of woo-woo, but the, the, the more joyful I become, the happier I become, the more orgasmically energetic I become, the more I naturally attract people like that. So I don't even encounter negative people in my life. Like, I don't, like people, my old life, you know, sometimes would be complainers or people that were like, you know, negative trying to pull me down and so forth. I don't encounter people like that at all anymore. They just don't enter my sphere. I guess, you know, I've surrounded myself with positive, loving 
happy people um, in this community that we're building, and we're all doing more. And so it kind of buffers me from, I don't know, maybe the more or the less real world out there. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, short answer is it hasn't impacted me at all. And it, I just I just meet amazing, connected, loving people that gets better and better all the time. Yeah, I strongly believe in that. You know, the energy you put out there is sort of the the response you'll get back. So, yeah. you know, if you put out tense and you're scared that people are going to come after your things and you need to protect and that mentality, that siege mentality, which probably a lot of humanity is going through right now, yeah. it's just going to lead to a lot of negative emotions, right? So and I'm going more in the direction of total transparency. And uh, we're going to start doing videos that are actually a little more sexual, a little more outrageous, a little more comedic that are truly representations of who we are. And I mean, like, for instance, when we have parties and whatnot, the cool thing isn't just the sexiness or whatever. It's the profound transformations that take place. It's the miracles of people going through their emotions and clearing out trauma. It's about, you know, people shifting in ways that you can physically see. It's like, so I'm going to, I experience miracles like every week. And so I'm going to start showing people the miracles that are possible and people are sure going to be I'm crazy or whatever or, I'll get some negative uh, polarity stuff, but I'm totally willing to do that. And it, and I think the, the, the bravery of most tantricas is that they are willing to have the courage to go in and face their biggest fears. And they're willing to face their most uncomfortable moments because that's what it takes to clear this stuff out and to also grow and expand. And so you're going to see um, in the future more and more transparency. That's my goal is to be completely transparent about everything. Wow. Excellent. Um, what, uh, I guess... In terms of like relationship models, open, closed, poly, um, I mean, and I and also kind of want to understand uh, about gender, like uh, male, female, transgender, et cetera, and how this fits in there. But first, in regards to just like relationship models, do you regard Tantra as being sort of agnostic to decisions about monogamy or polygamy or whatever? Um, and what's your own personal relationship model and what's motivated that? Got it. So, uh... First of all, yes, it's agnostic. Uh, we know people that can be completely successful in Tantra that don't have sex at all, that are in committed monogamous relationships, that are poly and open. I, all of it works. Um, you know, in fact, the, the whole branch of white Tantra basically try, uh, doesn't even deal so much with the sexuality of it. So you can totally be punk and do a white Tantra. It just takes longer and it's not as fun, it's my personal opinion. Um, so uh, yeah, and then as far as personally, Melanie and I consider ourselves open. Um, and uh, I guess she, she in particular doesn't like labels. Um, and we've, we've explored, um, here's the thing, the more Tantra I do, the more open and poly-minded I become because I'm starting to connect with people on an energetic and emotional level that transcends bodies. Like to, make, to explain this, like I've got a friend who uh, neither Melly and I have ever had sex with, um, but he's been practicing with us for many years. And so when we practice and we start moving energy through us, we start having energetic orgasms, he'll tap into that and vice versa. So we'll all start orgasming together without touching or doing anything sexual with each other. So when you have, and, and then and it gets more, like I can be walking through a room and feel people's uh, energetic orgasms in other rooms. or I know some people that have energetic orgasm with each other from across the countries. Um, and then when you also, the more you move energy, like in our class, our, our basic fundamental class, we show everyone that they're psychic. We actually have people read each other's minds 
using some of this tantric energy because when you start flowing your energy together it actually blurs the distinction between the separation it's, it's a perceived separation you really start becoming unified with everyone and so when i start working with people i can start thinking their thoughts i can start feeling their feelings i can start having their emotions that when i'm really connected with someone the definition of me and them dissolves and we truly become one so it's kind of like uh, for me polyamory the definite the actual definition is it uh open connected intimate relationships uh, deep intimate relationships with other people it doesn't even talk about sex and sex to me is really secondary it's about um i want to have a deep intimate open loving relationship with the world you know like i want to be poly with everyone i don't want to have sex with everyone um and in sex becomes like almost unnecessary I, I, for some for a group that promotes sex that's the problem people don't really understand what tantra is it's what we do at ecstatic hearts is promote connection we're about connection sex is secondary it'll give you the love life that goes way beyond your dreams but it's because we're connected first it's because i know intuitively what you want because i am feeling you as if i were you right and so wow. i become more naturally tantric or more naturally poly because um i mean some of the best sexual experiences of my life didn't involve my genitals didn't involve touching at all. Like literally, the best orgasm is just from you know a few inches away of energy. So I don't know. I, it's like, and so I do believe that when you get to those those uh, kind of more energetic levels of tantra, that people naturally become a little bit more poly because the perceived um, definitions of, of individuals kind of separates and so or those melts away. So it doesn't really matter where your genitals are and which genitals are whose because it's all we're all one big loving family anyway if that makes sense so whew. yeah 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 oh i definitely love that message and i think you know i've been reading a lot about um i'm sure you're familiar with uh alan watts right and what um the message that he's been pushing out since the 60s this idea that you know we are well he he, he says he says many things about uh, you know, he's trying to merge Eastern philosophies with Western philosophies, and um, he was pretty successful with that. I think he's making a little comeback lately. But there's the there's a big message out there that there's a perception of the self that's sort of boundaryed, bordered mm -hmm. by the skin, bordered by this body that we inhabit. Yeah. But if you can actually see beyond this, you would see that uh, there's actually no boundary between you self and everything else out there so it's nice to see that people can attain that realization through many different means and it seems most natural if it's you know through tantra and we also always have physical bodies so it's it's uh it's it's the tantra is a practice of like stepping into the divine and the oneness and all this but i don't know that we'll ever get there completely until we leave our physical bodies so um yeah, but it's it. But the more we come from that higher self, that higher space, the more we can tap into the divine. I think the more we're naturally inspired to uh, to do what we're here to do. I think it's it's what helps me become more aligned with my calling. It helps me have more joy, more love, more connection with other human beings. So as much as possible, I I I kind of tell my ego self just to it's okay, I hear you, you can be quiet now, and I'm going to go listen to my divine self, you know, guide me, because I, I have more fun, and I make a bigger difference that way, and I think it's a, a better way to live. Mm -hmm. How does that um, uh, kind of um, effort to access the sort of divine self, which is sort of independent of the body, um, 
kind of intersect or does it conflict at all with, you know, I guess the physical nature of physical attraction, the, the idea of uh, being turned on or not on like a, uh, in a, in a physical or visual way. Does that, do you ever find that there's discordance between those or do you find that there's alignment or? Yeah. So one thing is our, the culture out there right now, is kind of divided between our lower chakras and upper chakras. What I mean by that is that most people think that in order to be spiritual, you have to ignore your body and your your baser needs, right? Tantra is the practice of incorporating all of it. So it's not that we're um, having uh, we're, we're trying to get out of our bodies. It's that we are ex- we are seeing where we can go with our bodies. It's like we are incorporating our our sexual energy, our root. Um, you know, power, our very connection to the earth and are very much our, our human desires, our physical needs and so forth, and expanding them into incorporate the divine, if that makes sense. So it's, uh, it's, it's not an either or, it's both and more. By the way, that's my favorite tantric saying. It's like so many people think in polarities, um, and, and that, that's true with perspectives. It's true on, um, and, and like not now, a lot of people are in scarcity mode, but it's like there is both what you want, both if you're trying to decide, both are valid and there's more available to you. So you never have to have to be restricted. Um, but there was something more I want to share there is that, uh, what, what, re, can you recap the question again? There's something yeah, else. Yeah, so I was sort of talking about the role of physical attraction and the fact oh, that like ultimately, yeah. you know, what we're having sexual encounters with are bodies and people like, yeah. And, yeah. and the role of, I don't know, like sexual orientation in that, like whether yeah. or not you're attracted to someone. Yeah, yeah, so a couple of things there. One is that um, I don't think that goes away uh, because, again, we're using and tapping into that. So I'm certainly more interested in people I'm sexually attracted to than not. I have also found myself more attracted to people than I thought I would be because people didn't necessarily match my preconceived notions of what beauty should be. And I, I, I connect with people much more on an emotional um, personality perspective. Does that makes sense? Like the people I would have thought sexy 10 years ago i have a different perspective about now too so it's like i much more attracted people's energies and their positivity and there's their there's their chemistry and there's a, there's a whole range of what i'm attracted to besides just physical looks another part of that which is interesting is as you mentioned like masculine feminine all of us by the way have masculine and feminine energies most of us just kind of rely on more on the other but and, and the polarity of it does create more uh, energy and sparks, but but anyone can do Tantra, and it doesn't matter what your um, gender identification or preference or any of that is, and we have all those uh, members or representations in our group. Uh, personally, I've actually become more bisexual by doing Tantra indirectly in that, okay, so if I can feel my wife's uh, orgasms when she has them, right, and I'm not even in the room, I can just feel it from when I can also feel when she gets sexually aroused by someone like when, so it, when I'm in a room and she like finds someone she likes and gets turned on, I feel it sometimes before she does. And it's, it's a little bizarre because I can feel, Oh, this is her. Like I have to distinguish. This is, uh, this is my connection with her feelings versus me. And um, over time it's, 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 it's probably made me, you know, on the Kinsey scale of like, what is it? One, zero to six or something. And three is like, you have no preference or whatnot. I've probably gone from like a one to a two. I'm still predominantly heterosexual, but I consider myself more bisexual or pansexual really because I um, I also can have orgasms with trees and lightning bolts now, which, you know, what is that? I don't know. <laughs> it very much transcends bodies of all sorts, you know? So it's like, I, I can just tap into energy now and energy is everything or it's in everything. So 
um, I don't know. If that answers your question. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, that's definitely beautiful. That's a great perspective on uh, you know that uh, that I think our, our our listeners would appreciate. But maybe if you could uh, just to back up a bit to say if somebody has never been exposed to tantra, right? And could you just give a little brief on you know sure. where it comes from and what your practice of it kind of is? Sure. So um, tantra has been around for thousands and thousands of years, depending on what you look at or who you talk to. Uh, it basically has evolved in all sorts of ways. I mean, most yoga comes from Tantra as well as Qigong and Reiki and all these other healing practices of energy. But um, the basic look at what we do, what we look at it is a very practical, it's, it's the following. We think of it as practices that you can do that increase your connection to love, such as movement, sound, breath, mindfulness, touch, and tapping into your sexual energy. And for us, it's literally just, you know, you take five to 15 minutes uh, and practice these simple exercises. But over time, they start opening you up and helping you feel your energy. So it's, it's tapping into your sexual energy and then releasing things like you talked about, fear, shame, guilt. We're actually shedding all those things so that we can be present in the moment, so we can really feel our energy moving through us and, and be in real time. And the more you do that, the more you start realizing that we actually can tap into and feel our energetic beings. Like... When I first heard this, I didn't understand. It's like, what are you talking about energy and so forth? You know, it's like, it's, it's, it didn't make any sense to me. But, and it took me years to feel it. But um, with, with practice, and you actually have a good teacher, you can actually feel it pretty quickly. And you start having these, these experiences like an energetic orgasm, for instance, that transcends your genitals and actually becomes far more powerful and far more amazing than anything you thought was possible before. And that's just one of the benefits. You know, it gives you more energy. It helps you feel more connected with source. It's a spiritual practice. It helps you feel more connected to the divine. It enables you to become more sensitive. Like you actually have your, your senses become, I think, like Daredevil. I don't know if you guys are a fan of Daredevil. I used to be a fan of him growing up. I feel like I can do what he does these days. You know, like you can actually almost have radar and feel people's energetic signatures. And you like you're developing superpowers all the time. It's really crazy. But uh, <laughs> maybe it helps you open up your heart and connect more deeply with people and feel more love. I feel so much more now. And like even lately, I didn't even believe in this last year, but I've been tapping into like past lives or, or memories of past experiences. So which is a whole other topic, you know, um, wow. it's okay. pretty extraordinary. Nice. Scott, well, I, th I think you might lose some people if you start going into the, I've been yeah. able to tap past lives, but yeah. uh, that's interesting. I, I mean, I'm agnostic to all those. So leave yeah. it either. Don't believe anything I say. Just try to practice for a few minutes a day for a few weeks and see yourself what it, what makes yep. difference happens. And everyone's journey, by the way, is unique and perfect. Um, and so no no two people have I've seen have the same tantric journey. Like different things open up for different people in different ways. And whatever your personal practice is, spiritual or otherwise, is perfectly fine. You know, it's equally valid as anyone else's. We'll say that. How would you feel about, like, I guess – People talk about yoga in the same light, but yeah. um, accusations of cultural appropriation, um, the idea that we're kind of like taking something that is a traditional part of a foreign religion and kind of stripping it of its context and, uh, you know, putting a bunch of bells and whistles, new age bells and whistles on it. Um, what, what's, what, how do you feel about that sort of criticism? Yeah, I feel that um, the people who manifested and created Tantra and practices, as well as Buddha and Jesus and everyone else wanted their messages to spread and wanted it to um, evolve and reach as many people as possible. 
I don't believe in the guru path that um, you have something that can really enlighten people and bring joy and goodness to the world at a time that really needs it. It's something that should be sequestered or, you know, or held back and whatnot. And I think everyone is evolving in their own ways. Everyone is, is right now, we're in a, in a time and place of extraordinary um, transformation and everyone has their own unique gifts that they can provide to the world. So I think that in, personally, I think incorporating your unique message with whatever tools and process you can have is gonna make the biggest impact on the world and make the biggest difference. It's like, I, I am respecting the cultures by spreading it in the best way I know how. I'm never gonna be able to teach the way some people teach. I'm not like a guru mentality. And if I offend people, I apologize. That's not my intent. My intent is to spread love. And I'm gonna use anything and everything I can to make everyone have the best experience they can on this planet. And I make, um, I, don't, I don't apologize for that. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a love warrior. So I'm gonna do what it takes to, to spread it out. So it sounds like you're almost like anti-dogmatic, um, which I totally respect. Um, but I'm curious if you were to kind of take the most reduced elements of what makes Tantra Tantra, what is it? What are the essential components? It's kind of what I said before. It's like knowing the specific exercises and techniques of breath, movement, sound, uh, touch, mindfulness, moving your sexual energy, breathing. Um, and in ways that help you tap into and move energy up and down your spine is the basic gist of it. And just by doing that, energy, I found, has an intelligence of its own, uh, the risk of sounding too woo-woo, but it, 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 it will clear out stuff that you need to let go of. It'll help free you. It'll help you tap into it, and, and you can transmute it to attract things. You know, and this, is, this isn't too woo-woo either. I mean, like Think and Grow Rich, one of the books that was written by Napoleon Hill, who actually studied the most successful people in the world. There's a whole chapter on sexual transmutation. That's Tantra. That's literally you're tapping into your sexual energy to manifest things you want. Like the secret was made about all that. There's a lot of stuff here that is, um, are utilized by secret societies and stuff too, if you believe that, uh, that's, that's been around. So it's like, uh, but to answer your question, it's, uh, it, it's basically embodying love, you know, and it really is about opening your heart and fully feeling all your feelings. Focus, feeling, and uh, choice, I guess, being, being present, uh, witness consciousness and mindfulness are probably the three big cores of it. Would you also say it's also about like personal empowerment? So people feel that they do have more control over their lives so they can pursue maybe what they feel is their passion, their essence, rather than yeah. being told what to do. Yeah, yeah. Follow. I start tapping directly into the divine at the risk of sounding... Uh, I don't know, weird, is that you start getting more direct downloads into your, from your higher self. You start following your calling more naturally. You start being inspired to give your gifts to the world versus, you know, trying to fit inside a box that someone else gave you. I mean, that's certainly been my experience. And I see, I, I see the people that practice Tantra, I see them awakening. I see them noticing the impacts that they make on the world. I see them becoming happier. I see them becoming more joyous, more sexually um, outrageous, more expressive, more alive. They start feeling things. They just start enjoying life the way that we're intended to. I think that's part of the problem, I think, with our current culture is that we have um, villainized feeling and like we're all in our head. I mean, I grew up thinking Spock was the hero. Like, I, I was a total Vulcan fan because he didn't like acknowledge his feelings and he was super strong and smart and all this stuff. Ultra rationality. Yeah. What's that? Like being ultra rational. I think that in order to like appear somehow better. But we've, we've kind of re re suppressed and ignored the more most vital parts of ourselves. The, 
The thing that makes human beings amazing is our feelings. What makes life extraordinary is our feelings. And so even the uncomfortable ones, it's like they all have value, they all have purpose, but the more you start really feeling your stuff, you can let out and release those things that aren't really serving you anymore. You can clear out old stories and you can really start reveling and rejoicing in the, in the joy that's available. Because we have heaven on earth right now and most people don't see it or aren't, aren't tapping into it. Wow. What, what's a, like a, I guess for you, some story that you told yourself or some sort of event that you processed through these ways? Like, what, what did you let go of? What was your like, big breakthrough? Gosh, I've had so many. I mean, so letting go of shame initially, um, letting go of, of the story of what I should be doing. I, one of my stories was I had to be a workaholic to, um, to have a good life. Like that was the purpose. Oh, my self-worth was uh, correlated to my productivity. And so I let all that go. And, you know, and, and I'm valuable just because I am. I mean, I've learned how to, how to feel myself. Like I didn't know how to, I didn't cry between ages eight and like 23 um, so like, I, I had to like learn how to feel again. Um, I've been, you know, letting go of judgments. I, I still do that almost on a daily or weekly basis, you know, like my path is unconditional love. And, um, and so anything that's in the way of that is something that I'm continuously letting go and, and transitioning out of. But, uh, I mean, I can get really, uh, like, like the purpose of like some of the past life experiences were kind of, I think, or in part, were to help me understand and process the now and letting go of uh, shame and guilt and fear and all these things that are kind of blocking us from our greatness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Scott, I want to say one thing. So you're coming across as very positive that going, if someone explored Tantra, it'll be very positive for them. But have there been any instances where, because I believe, I mean, this is some powerful stuff. And yeah. for some people, does it turn negative? Do they get caught in, yeah, you know? The, the, I have not really seen anyone negatively impacted. I see some people who, like, step in a little bit, get scared, and then go back into their old stories and so forth. Um, I've never really seen it harm anybody. The only dangers of Tantra is if you don't know what you're doing you're, and you start moving a lot of energy, you can have things like Kundalini psychosis, um, which is when people are, are like, moving a lot of energy, usually like at a burn with drugs and stuff where they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to ground their energy. And so if you have too much energy in your head for too long, it can actually make you crazy. But even the people I know who have had Kundalini psychosis, they went crazy for a month or so, but on the other side of it, they still say it was an awakening and better. they're glad that they had it because it helped them become more open to the spiritual connection around them and so forth. Um, there's also... Um, you know, you got to drink water, you know, one, one time, or not regular water, but like coconut water, electrolytes. I actually almost died from having too much sex once. Um, I had sex for 12 hours, and uh, I had to go to the hospital because I'd burned through all my electrolytes, and they, I'd spent three days for them to slowly raise them up and so forth. But I don't know anyone else that's happened to, well, one of them, but you just drink a lot of coconut water, and um, is the only other danger. And that's the same thing as like running a marathon. So I don't know. If yeah. that's the, I'm saying like, uh, you know, just taking into account even the, uh, the background you have there, is that, uh, is this in any relation to sort of the journey you can have on psychedelics? You know, it can be very transformative for people, but it can also yeah. be dangerous. So yeah, you yeah. should know how to handle that power. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I think that the psychedelics um, create similar energetic openings and awakenings as Tantra. I feel Tantra is a safer path for that. I think the, the problem with, um, with, so I, you know, 
I think psychedelics can be great and a wonderful spiritual tool and plant medicine and all that. So I'm not downing it. I also think that a lot of people just jump into that domain and don't know what they're doing. And like anything yeah. powerful, if you aren't careful and don't do some research or know what you're doing, um, you can create some problems with it. Um, mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, but I mean, the path that we've been taught and, you know, that has been passed down for hundreds of years is, is a safe path. So you can kind of open your energy gradually so that uh, you know what you're doing. And like learning how to ground. I mean, grounding, I didn't understand what that was, but literally when you start moving a lot of energy, you need to learn how to move it back into your body, move it into the earth so you just don't like leave your body. Um, and just, you know, so when you're driving your car or something, you aren't going, Woo! you know, it's just like basic physical concerns. Remember to eat, you need to sleep, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, basic stuff like that. But sure, I, I think anything that's really powerful can be dangerous, but it doesn't mean that you should ignore it or avoid it. I think it means you should just go in with um, awareness and education. And Yep, that's right. That's right. If you um, weren't doing this profession, what do you think yep. you'd be doing? If you had never encountered this. You know, it's hard for me to even imagine what my life was like before this. Like, I've, I've changed so much, and I've got, like, God, I don't, even, I don't even know. I can't, I don't think I could ever go back to corporate America. I mean, maybe maybe if I never encountered this, I never would have left. Um, so, uh, and it, it's not that it's it's bad. I, I loved it at the time. It was just so much more constraining than the life I live now. It's like, even though I don't have maybe as much security or as much money and so forth as I had back in the day, I have so much more fun and so much more joy and life and freedom and self-expression. And I feel every day I wake up excited that I get to do what I do and, and make a difference. And, and boy, when I see the difference it makes in others, that's what really, really moves me is I see the impact that I'm, that I'm having in the world um, is, is extraordinary. So I don't know to answer your question. No clue. Maybe I'd be a psychologist or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Do you uh, do you have children and like it, why or why not? Uh, we have uh, fur babies, we call them. So we've got three dogs, a cat, a bunny, and my wife just bought seven chickens today. Um, oh. So um, <laughs> we we but we don't have uh, actual babies. I think it's twofold. One is um, to me right now, my mission is to make a difference in the world, and I think if I had a personal child right now. That would actually get in the way of me making impact on millions, you know, or it wouldn't stop me. And I, but I think having a kid is one of the toughest jobs you can have. And I really appreciate and admire those people that are out there doing that. But I feel that it's just not necessarily my path. I used to, but the more I've delved into Tantra and my calling, and I really feel like this is what I'm in here to do. I feel that um, I'm probably not going to have my own kids. Um, I do feel that in the future, I might be living in a communal situation um, and I'll help raise other people's kids. And so I think that's what I plan on doing. And frankly, um, the other reason is we haven't always been really safe with birth control and it's just never happened. So I don't, I think that uh, God or the divine just, you know, is supporting us in our, our plans. And if we're meant to have them, we'll have them, but I don't think we are. And I don't think that's what we're going to be doing. Great. Great. Yeah. Um, you got any more questions, Brian, or um, should we look at? Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to know just like one more, perhaps our last question of the day, just um, um, what is a, what does a tantric family look like to you? Like how, uh, you know, if you do have uh, parents of children that are participating in there's like, obviously like sexuality is something that happens between adults or at least people that have been through puberty. Um, and uh, 
what does that mean though for for a family? What does it mean for for children to grow up in a kind of household like that? Or you know, yeah. Now I got to say one of the biggest um, benefits of tantra that most people don't think about until they do it is it helps you become a better parent. Like just yesterday, I had a, a guy say, you know, I am so much better of a parent now because I can actually come with instead of judgment or critical thinking, I'm coming from my heart and love and I'm asking how they're feeling and I'm seeing their perspectives equally valid and I'm acknowledging them as a as individual human being themselves. And it actually um, enables you to become a better person, a better not just lover, but love of people. Like you become, you learn how to love better, right? Not having anything to do with sex. And so, um, you know, certainly I envision education um, being part of that. Um, but my personal view, this isn't necessarily what we teach, but as I said, we're kind of open. My personal view is I'd like to have a castle that can inspire people to like, uh, you know, go to greater heights of magic and wonder and have it at like a, a place where people come to and practice Tantra. And I see like 12 of us like living together in harmony. I mean, th th the beauty of this is that, you know, one of the cool things about a partner is they help flush up all your triggers and all the things that you want to grow with. And so having multiple people flushes up more at an exponential rate. So I think it helps you grow and expand by having multiple people. And I see us all loving each other. And um, I don't even care or know what like sexually, how that all combines, but I just feel us all like truly loving each other and having a relationship with each other that's stronger than most people have with their um, with their significant others right now. You know, it's like because that. So that's yeah. So I see us all living in one big happy family and growing and spreading love, whatever that looks like. That's fantastic, Scott. Uh, do you want to put in a plug for your your counseling service? So if people are interested, they can reach out to you. Yeah, our website is ecstatichearts.com. That's e c s t a t i c h e a r t s. And that's where, you know, we have some online trainings. We have our schedule of like when we are next collecting together in, in workshops and weekends. Um, if you want coaching or private lessons, we also have to do that. But it's, uh, yeah, that's the place to go to find stuff. And we'll give you some free Tantra videos. If you plug in your email, we'll give you some stuff that you can start and, and jump right up and start using. So um, the privacy. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, one thing we like to do as we're kind of winding uh, things down is, uh, if we have something top of mind that we'd like to recommend, like either read, watched, or uh, even just a thought about, um, just something that you'd recommend uh, a listener to kind of like uh, look up and, and see if it's see if it's for them, um, we can uh, sort of sure. uh, just go around. Yeah, if you want, I can start. So yeah. I'd like to really, you know, promote this this book by Alan Watts called The Wisdom of Insecurity. You can uh, look it up on Amazon. It's easily available. It's quite an easy read. Um, it's basically a starter into this idea of merging Eastern philosophy with Western ideals and basically asking people that we can't know the future. It's really hard to know the past. But the one thing you can really know is the present. So you know that, live it fully. And um, I'd encourage people to go check it out. But yeah. Sweet. How about you, Scott? Um, there's a book by Bodhi Avinasha called Jewel in the Lotus, and it's still the best textbook I've seen for the Tantra practices that we share. And it's, uh, it's a little tricky maybe if you haven't had someone show you how to do it, but it's got all the philosophy in there and the background and the, the research. But more importantly, it has actual exercises that you can do by yourself or you can do with a partner at the end of each chapter. So just by doing those and incorporating some of those simple things really make a difference. So Jewel in the Lotus by Bodhi Avinasha and Sun, Sun, Sunyata Saraswati. 
Nice, very nice, thank you. And um, I'll share just a, a musical artist that I, uh, I guess, was reminded by, by Jay's comment of sharing Ellen Watts. It's a, a group called Man of No Ego, uh, which actually incorporates um, uh, some of Alan Watts's recorded conversations and lectures as uh, part of the music, as well as some of the other sort of guru-esque figures. But they weave them into some really, really wild, uh, great uh, sort of DJ sets um, that I've found to be great uh, working music, as well as like um, like music to uh, music to, to chill out to. So, who is cool. artist again? Man of no ego. Man of no ego. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Great. Yeah. Well, Scott, thank you so much for your time, and really appreciate you uh, giving us insight. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Keep it on. Spread the light. Thanks so much. Thank you, Scott. Bye. Bye.